are going to conclude, Lord willing, the book of Esther today. We've been in it for a few months now. We're going to wrap it up. We'll finish off chapter 9, just about four verses there. We didn't, we didn't cover last week. And then three little verses in chapter 10, real short. Just a few verses today. Esther 10, excuse me, Esther 9, verse 29 is where we'll start. And we'll read through Esther 10. If you care to listen to any of these, all of our sermons, all of our series and books that we've preached through in the last six or seven years are all on the website. You can find them there if you want to go back, if you missed some of these and want to, want to catch them, they're all there. We also just wrapped up the book of Nehemiah on Wednesday night, so we'll be probably starting a new book on Wednesday nights and uh, not sure what we're going to be doing on Sunday mornings uh, for the next little bit, but we'll, we'll be doing something. We'll be in God's Word. Uh, not next Sunday, but the next Sunday, the last Sunday of the month, the 29th, I won't be here. I'll be out of town. But Brother Alton Foster is going to preach that day, and so be praying for him. And also, uh, on the 29th, that usually would be our Sainspiration, the last Sunday of the month. We're going to cancel that this month for a couple of reasons. we got several of our folks that are going to be gone that night, uh, and a lot of the people that come and visit and sing with us most months a lot of times they're at their own churches on the fifth Sunday night, and this will be a fifth Sunday night. And so we're just going to call off Sainspiration this month. So if you see folks that sometimes come and visit, uh, just get the word out. I'll try to get that out in the newsletter this week to let everybody know. But no Sainspiration this month on the 29th. I wanted to make sure to get that out. But Esther chapter 9, verse 29. Let's pray, and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for a good day. We thank you for the freedom to come here and worship and study your word. And I pray, God, that we would get something from these few verses we read today, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, dear Lord. You know what we need to hear. You know where we are in life. And we're all in different places. We all got different things going on. But God, that's the good thing about your word. You can, you can connect with us and, and get through to us. And I pray today that you would, that you'd... Keep us to be free of distractions, dear Lord. I, I come in this place with lots of stuff on my mind, and I'm probably not the only one. There's lots of stuff we think about that's fighting for our attention right now. But I pray, God, that in these few minutes that we'd, we'd be devoted to you and give you our attention. Help me to do a good job to preach and teach. Just hide me behind the cross. Keep me humble. And I pray that everything that is, that is done and said here today will be for your glory. And I just pray that Jesus Christ is glorified and lifted up in this place. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have had quite a journey from the beginning of Esther. God's people were exiled in a foreign land, uh, but God was with them. And throughout all that we've seen in the book of Esther, we have yet to see God mentioned. But we have not failed to see God working. He has been all through the book and, and putting this young Jewish girl into position of queen in a foreign land, of allowing things to fall into place, of God thwarting the plans of, 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 of the enemy of the Jewish people. And throughout every bit of it, through all these coincidences, if we can call them that, however, they aren't coincidences, they are God at work. He's at work behind the scenes. And this is a big point that's important for us to see. Because in many of the stories of the Old Testament before this, we saw God in a, in a miraculous way, in the way that he did these miraculous things and parting seas and all this stuff that he did with the plagues in Egypt. And, 
and God showed himself in miraculous, visible ways that his people and all people could see God at work. But then we, we really kind of go a different direction with how we see God work in the book of Esther. Because how God worked in Esther, it's really behind the scenes, and there doesn't appear to be anything miraculous, at least not in the way that we've seen. But, but really, it's a miracle nonetheless that God puts Esther in the position she's in. That, that God allows things to take place at just the right time. And this is important for us to remember that God is still at work in our lives and in our world. And we say, where is God at? But he is, he is here. He is working in our lives. And he's working in your life. And you may not see it. But maybe he's causing things to fall into place just as he did with Esther and Mordecai and all of the people in this story. And the Jewish people were in big trouble. They had an enemy by the name of Haman. But God saw to it that the people were delivered and Haman was destroyed. This is a theme we see throughout Scripture, from beginning of Scripture to the end. Here is the theme. God delivers the righteous and he punishes the wicked. That has been true all throughout Scripture and it will always be true. The wicked will not go unpunished unless they repent. And that's what God calls us to do. So we want to be those who repent of our wicked, evil deeds, and we seek the Lord, and that we are those who are righteous, not by our works, but by the works of Jesus Christ. And so we see God delivering the righteous in this story, and he still desires to deliver the righteous today through Jesus Christ. And, and we saw the celebration of the people. Uh, God's people were delivered, and they celebrated, and this is a celebration that they uh, were to have every year, and Jewish people still have. It's a celebration called Purim, and that name came from the, the idea of the casting of lots that Haman did to pick the day of when he was going to destroy the, the Jews. But it so happened that on the day that the lot was cast that the Jews were victorious, and they weren't destroyed, but the Jews' enemies were. And that word pure is a, is a, is a Persian word, and it, it has to do with casting lots. And so we see the name Purim that they, that they uh, assigned to that day of celebration. And that's what we saw in in, in Esther 9, as we saw this celebration taking place and the people uh, glad over what was occurring. And that's kind of the idea that we see here in the last few verses of Esther 9, verse 29. Queen Esther, daughter of Abihel, along with Mordecai the Jew, wrote this second letter with full authority to confirm the letter about Purim. He sent letters with messages of peace and faithfulness of all the Jews who were in the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus in order to confirm these days of Purim at their proper time, just as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther had established them, and just as they had committed themselves and their descendants to the practices of fasting and lamentation. So Esther's command confirmed these customs of Purim, which were then written into record. And so here we see this idea of celebration, this, this idea of Purim, the day that they've set aside to celebrate. And what it says here in these letters that they send in verse 30, he sent letters with messages of peace and faithfulness to all the Jews. Now, here is a season of peace that they are experiencing. But that season of peace did not come until after a season of strife. And this is important for us to remember because oftentimes... We see this, this cycle in our world today. You, you see conflicts building sometimes between nations. You see wars throughout history. And these conflicts build, and oftentimes it leads to a war, which is, which is a horrible thing. But many times after that war, there's, 
at least a period of peace. Things kind of settle down. We see it maybe on a more personal level with friends or family. You get upset with somebody. You get in an argument with somebody. You yell and scream. But then hopefully what happens afterwards? Hopefully you get together and you say, you know what, I'm sorry that I acted that way. I'm sorry that we argued about this. We shouldn't have done that. And so maybe that argument has come because there's been some strife and tension building, and then all of a sudden it erupts. But, but for, for brothers and sisters in Christ, we should uh, restore those relationships. And usually whenever we have hard times with each other, and we kind of we get out of a hand, but we apologize and say, I'm sorry, I love you, will you forgive me? And we apologize and we forgive each other. What follows that? Usually it's peace. Usually it's a really good relationship. And so it's tough, right? Because we don't want to go through times of strife. We don't want to go through war. We don't want to go through arguments with brothers and sisters in Christ and family and friends. But even sometimes in those hard times, God can use that to, to change our heart, to make us realize the error of our ways, to, to help us to learn forgiveness for others. And oftentimes those relationships that have been through the fire are, are better than they were to start with. And so you may be in a season of strife right now. God's people had come out of a, out of a season of, of punishment. I mean, they've been in captivity. And, and, and here, kind of during this time period, uh, we see in Ezra and Nehemiah that God is under these Persian kings, giving them favor and allowing them to go back in and rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls. And so things are good for Israel's people, but they're still, they're still in tough times because they've come out of that time of punishment. But even though they had to go through that captivity, God is still being very gracious and he's restoring them. And he's showing his power and his favor on them through the story of Esther and through the stories of Ezra and through the story of Nehemiah. We see God at work. And we need to see that in our life. You may be in a season of strife right now in your life. You may be in a season of turmoil. And it may not be good. But maybe, just maybe, after this season of strife, maybe there's something God's trying to teach you in it. And so that when you get through it, there will be a time of peace. And that's what's going, taking place for the people of, of God here. They went through a hard time. Things had been tough. Their life was literally on the line about to end. But God intervened. And God works bad situations for good. He does it throughout Scripture, and He does it in your life. And maybe you've seen some of those times. Or maybe you haven't. Maybe you need to look. Because maybe, just maybe, there are some seasons of bad in your life that God intervened. And he will do the same now. So keep trusting him, even in the midst of all the troubles you may be going through. Chapter 10. King Ahasuerus opposed, imposed a tax throughout the land, even to the farthest shores. All of his powerful and magnificent accomplishments and the detailed account of Mordecai's great rank to which the king had honored him, have they not been written in the historical records of the kings of Media and Persia? And so... When we go through the book of Esther, I mean, you may could argue that Esther is the main character, and she may very well be, but, but you could probably also argue that Mordecai is the main character. They're both mentioned almost the same amount of times in, in the book. And so at the beginning of the book, it seems to be Mordecai who's kind of encouraging Esther and, and guiding Esther and giving her the things to say. And, and Esther, it appears as though she just kind of listens and, and does what she's told. But then, as we made it toward the end of the book, we see Esther kind of, kind of change a little bit. Her character really begins to stand up, and she begins to speak. But, but really, it's Esther and Mordecai that are working together. I mean, you could argue that, that neither would have been successful without the other. 
that Esther would not have been queen without Mordecai and, and that Mordecai would not have been able to do the things he was able to do had not it been for Esther speaking up and doing the things she did as queen. But here in this last little bit, we see this focus on Ahasuerus, uh, that all of his powerful, magnificent accomplishment uh, uh, are, are mentioned here. Uh, Ahasuerus seemed to be a pretty good king. At least he was a good king for the, for the Jewish people in this story. It's no doubt that God had, had granted the favor of Mordecai and Esther with Ahasuerus. God was at work there. And we see Ahasuerus mentioned here. And we also see Mordecai mentioned because he was placed to this great uh, position of honor. And we see that these things are listed in the historical records of the kings of uh, Media and per Persia or the chronicles of, of the kings of Media and Persia, similar to what we see in the books of Chronicles, right? Uh, the chronicler chronicles the kings of, of, of Israel throughout that time period and the things that were going on. And so there were certainly records of kings kept, not just for Jewish kings, but also for all the kings of the land. And so here we see this book mentioned that may look similar to what we see as chronicles in our Bible, but in this particular uh, chronicle or this particular book, it was covering the kings of, of Persia and Media. Uh, who were very good to God's people and, 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 and played an instrumental part in showing them favor and allowing them to be restored. And then Mordecai, it says in verse 3, Mordecai the Jew was second only to King Ahasuerus, famous among the Jews and highly popular with many of his relatives. And so Mordecai makes his way to second in command in the land. Now, this is pretty phenomenal that a foreign people who had been under captivity of the Babylonians end up in a foreign land, and one of these Jewish men ends up as second in command in this foreign land, and one of these Jewish girls ends up as queen in the foreign land. I mean, this is pretty phenomenal. But really, if you've ever read through the Scripture from Genesis to this point, it probably is no surprise to you that this can occur. Because we see early on in the book of Genesis when Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery that through every step of Joseph's life, he always ends up being second in command. Wherever he goes, whether it's to be a slave of a person or whether it's in prison or whether it's in the court of Pharaoh, Joseph always works his way up to second in command. We see the same thing with Daniel in the book of Daniel. That, that it's, no, it's no coincidence that these people uh, in, in, in foreign lands, which is always the case, Joseph in Egypt, uh, Daniel in, in Babylon, uh, Mordecai here in, in, in the kingdom of Ahasuerus, that all these people of God in foreign lands, it's no coincidence that they somehow make it to these positions of power. It is God who takes people that you would not expect and he uses them in a mighty way. Now, it's because God is in control of everything. Now, these, these people that we see are certainly faithful men and women of God. Even though God's not mentioned in this book, I think it's fair to say that Esther and Mordecai were, fa were a faithful man and woman of God. And God put them in places probably that they never would have dreamed and never would have expected. So what about you and I? What about you and I? I mean... We, we, look at, we look at stories, and, and when we see stories in the Bible about kings who do spectacular things or people who are gifted in some certain way that can do some miraculous acts, I mean, yeah, God can use them. But what about normal people? I mean, I think we can argue that, 
Mordecai and Esther were probably just normal people. I mean, there was nothing really spectacular about them. I mean, they were just normal people. They weren't, it's not like Mordecai was a priest or anything was special about, about him or special about Esther. They were, they were just two people that God used, a man and a woman, that God had put just in the right place at just the right time, and he provided a way for them to do his work. Now, I don't think God has changed any today. So what about you and I? I mean, you don't have to have a title of being a pastor or a missionary or, or anything fancy like that. God still today wants to use normal people to accomplish his work. And so maybe there are some things that God wants to use you to accomplish. And you say, well, how could he use me? Well, how in the world could he use a Jewish girl in a foreign land to become queen? Who's to say that he can't put you where he wants you to be? Now, I don't know where that is. It may be at your neighbor's house. It may be somewhere on the other side of the planet. But I can promise you this. If you are faithful to God and seek him and say, God, I want to serve, then God will open doors for you. And it, it may just be that God has already opened a door and you haven't seen it. Maybe you need to pray, okay, God, help me to see. Are there some opportunities and doors in which you want me to walk through, some ways that I can serve? And maybe those opportunities are there. But, but we don't want to get to a point where we say, well, man, God, I'm not qualified for that. Well, I've got news for you. Read God's Word. If you read these, these group of people that God often use, they, they don't seem very qualified either. It's a bunch of ragtag group of men and women that have all kind of flaws. But yet somehow God uses them. Why? Because it is God's power that does the work. And so when God calls you to something or puts something on your heart, Man, we need to be careful that we don't use the, the excuse, I don't have the ability to do that. I'm not good enough for that. I don't have the skill to do that. I'm too afraid to do that. Because it's not your power that's going to, to accomplish that and cause good to come from that. It is the power of God. So, so what good can you do today for the kingdom of God? I mean, sometimes we think of the big things. We think about like, you know, we see missionaries, we see people that, you know, even local people, I think about like Luke Walters, and, and sometimes you see him around, and he may be telling you about the missionary journey he just went on, or maybe there's others you hear of, David Eubank and the Free Burma Rangers, and you think, man, I wish I could do something to serve the Lord, but I can't go to Burma, and I can't go to Israel, and I can't go to here and there, or wherever it is. Well, you don't have to. You know, maybe, maybe there's opportunities for you to love on people and serve the Lord in this, in, in this little town. I mean, maybe it's just getting on your motorcycle and going up to the nursing home. Like, you know, you don't think about things like that, but those things make, make a difference, right? Little things that we do make a difference in people's lives, and it helps us, helps us to show them that we love them, and it helps us to, to tell them that God loves them. So don't miss the little opportunities because of the things that you're calling big, because there may be lots of little things that God wants to use you for, and you've just got to take the initiative. You know, for Esther, she was hesitant. She was afraid to go before the king when it was when Mordecai said, you got to speak up. She, she didn't want to do it. She was afraid of what might happen to her. And I would say that probably that's true for all of us. It doesn't matter if, you, if, if you're a preacher, a teacher, or, or just somebody that comes and sits in a pew. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what training you have or how skilled you are or how smart you are or how rich you are or anything. None of those things matter. The, the, the fact of the matter is that sometimes it's really scary for us to step out and do things. But we need to, 
take the words of Esther here and say, okay, God, if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. Because God, maybe you have called me to this spot, as Mordecai told Esther, for such a time as this. And so maybe there's a time. Maybe that time is today or tomorrow or next week. There's going to be a time that God's going to put something on your heart and you're going to know it's God. You cannot deny it. You're going to know that you should do it. You should say it. You should speak up. You should be part of this thing. And so may we be found faithful to do that because who knows what God could do through us. I mean, God saved his people through a couple of people who were obedient to him. Who's to say that God can't use you to save some souls? Who's to say that God can't use you to, to save a nation, to save a world, to cause people far and wide to seek him? To change the heart of people. Not, not you changing the heart of people, but you doing God's work and God changing the heart of people. God can use anybody. A man or a woman, well-trained or untrained. What God is looking for is people who are obedient and willing. If you're obedient and willing, God can use you today. In the last part of verse 3, it says, He, that is Mordecai, continued to seek good for his people and to speak for the welfare of his descendants. And so here the focus is kind of on Mordecai. He was the one that, that, that kind of spoke up to Esther to speak up for the people. Mordecai is the one who has been raised to this position of second in command. And not only did Mordecai speak up for the people that delivered him, but he continued to speak up and to serve the people even after they were delivered from their enemy. And in a lot of ways, this reminds me of Jesus Christ because that's what Jesus did for us. You see, we had this great enemy. We had sin. That's our greatest enemy that leads to death. We have an enemy, the Scripture says, in Satan that, that is constantly tempting us. But, but what did Jesus do? Jesus came and he defeated our greatest enemies. He defeated sin. He defeated Satan by his death on the cross and his resurrection. And not only did Jesus defeat our enemy, but he continues to intercede for us, the Scripture says. In Romans chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. He intercedes for us. Why? Because we are sinners who continue to, to, to sin. And we need somebody who intercedes on our behalf. How did Jesus intercede for us? He interceded for us by going to the cross. He, he cut us off. We were doomed to that death. And we were doomed to that punishment. And Jesus said, I'll step in. I'll intercede for you. I'll step into your place. And the intercession of Jesus was not just good on that day of the cross, but it's good for all of eternity. So Jesus interceded for us and is constantly interceding for us because he is victorious over our enemy, Satan. He is victorious over our enemy of death. And God has raised him from the dead and he sits at the right hand of God interceding for eternity on behalf of those who would seek him. That's good news because we are sinners. That's good news. You and I, we needed a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. That's good news. You and I sin every day, but praise the Lord that Jesus' death and resurrection can cover our sins past and our sins to come. And if Mordecai 
spoke up for his people and delivered them and continued to speak up for his people and he's recognized as a great magnificent man here how much more so should jesus be recognized and glorified and praised for intervening for his people and delivering his people and continuing to intercede for them eternally hebrews chapter 7 verses 23 through 25 says now many have become levitical priests since they are prevented by death from remaining in office but because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Now, in Hebrews here, the author of Hebrews had been talking about how things had passed from the old way, that a better way had come, that the, that the old way was never sufficient. There was a priesthood. But as the passage says here, the priest would die and they'd have to get new priests. There wasn't one priest who would serve forever until Jesus came forever a priest in the order of Melchizedek, we see in the book of Hebrews. And so when Jesus came, it was the end of the priesthood. Why? Because Jesus is the priest, the high priest both now and forevermore. And he is sitting on the throne. And he has offered a sacrifice once and for all. And there is no need for sacrifice to be offered again. And so Jesus sits on the priesthood permanently, we see here in Hebrews chapter 7. And for what cause? Therefore, it says, he is always able to save those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. That's good news. Jesus is always able to save those who come to God through him. Where did deliverance come from in the book of Esther? It came from God. He wasn't mentioned, but it came from God and God alone. And where does deliverance come from for you and I today? It does not come from the fact that we sit on these pews. It doesn't come from the fact that you may sit on them regularly. It doesn't come from the fact that you may put a lot of money in the plate. It doesn't come from the fact that you may pray 18 prayers a day. It doesn't come from the fact that everybody in your family is a Christian. It doesn't come from the fact that maybe you've read God's Word a lot. Our salvation and the fact that we are saved comes through Jesus Christ and Christ alone when we put our faith in Him. That is what saves us from sin and death and from our enemy, the devil, is Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. It's not the motions of religion. That was the problem of all of the people of Jesus' day that hated Him. They were religious, but they did not put faith in Jesus. And as a result, man, God brought punishment on them. Jesus told them that I'm, gonna, I'm about to bring punishment on you. And God did so. Man, there was, there was a big destruction of, of the Jewish people not long after Jesus died on the cross. And, and God is the Savior of those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, not in those who are religious. So therefore, we put our faith in Jesus, who is always able to save those who come to him, both now and and forevermore, he lives to intercede for us. Now, that's good news. That's good news for us today because we look at stories like the people of Esther's day, and, and why were they in a foreign land? Well, because they were sinners, and God had, had, had punished them. He had let their enemies take them over. And while they were kind of beginning to work their way back into Jerusalem, they were in trouble because of their sin and needed to be delivered yet again because of their sin. But it was God who delivered them by sending a man and a woman to deliver them. And so it is for us. 
We are oftentimes in the trouble that we are in and, and, the, and going through the struggles that we, that we go through and, and feeling the things that we feel like because we, we're, we're sometimes in sin. We're sometimes disobedient to God. But how did God deal with that? How does he deal with that? Even still today, he dealt with that by sending one, Jesus Christ, his one and only son, to die on a cross so that you, can I, you and I could be forgiven. Have you put your faith in Jesus? It's only through Jesus you will be forgiven. And it's through Jesus that even today, if you are God's child, that he intercedes for you in your sin. Maybe there's sin in your life today. Maybe you're in a struggle. Maybe you're in a place where you say, man, I don't see God at work. I don't feel God at work. How can God use me? I want to tell you he can. And we have plenty of proof of that throughout Scripture. But man, what a great story in Esther that God shows us that he's always at work and he can use anybody. Man, woman, young, old, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are. If you're willing to, to seek God and serve him, God says, I can use you. God saved his people then, and God wants to save his people now. And today, it's only through Jesus Christ. And I hope you have put your faith in the one who saved you by giving his life on the cross and will intercede for you for all of eternity. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these good words in the book of Esther. And we thank you for, for letting us see how you work, even, even though it's, it's, it's not the kind of cool stories and cool miracles that we see earlier on in the, in the text. God, this, this story is cool in a different way. And so we thank you for reminding us that, yeah, you are at work in our life, even in our worst days, even through the times that we may not see and understand it. And we thank you for that. God, maybe there are some in this room today that, that they're just in a, in a season of sin. Maybe they're your child already, but they're not, not dealing with some sin the way that they need to. I pray that today, God, that, that you would help us to, to, to give those things to you, that you would help us to repent. God, maybe there are some in this room and they have never put their faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe they've been living in their sin and their own abilities and maybe today for the first time they realize that there is forgiveness in no other but Jesus. And I pray that right now in this moment, God, that they just would ask you to forgive them, that they would repent, that they would just turn from their sins. God, that they would acknowledge in their mind, in their heart, that Jesus Christ is, is, is the only source of salvation, that he's your one and only son, that he died on a cross so that they could be forgiven. And God, I pray that they would just give their heart to you right now and make that decision to follow Jesus Christ. God, maybe there are some opportunities that we've been missing. Show them to us. God, maybe there are some new ones to come. Help us to see them when they come. God, maybe we make excuses as to why we can't serve and what we can't do. But God, help us not to make excuses, but help us to seek you and say, okay, God, if there's something you want me to do, give me the strength. So give us the strength, dear Lord, to do the little things, if we can call them that, dear Lord. Everything that we do for your kingdom is big. But God, whether we can call it little or big, whatever it may be, God, let us be willing to be faithful to serve you and to love on people and to do things to help our community and to, and to show them the light of Jesus Christ. God, I just thank you for these words, and I pray that we would see you work in our life, that we would trust Jesus as our deliverer, and we would follow him and be used by you to, to build your kingdom. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.